Hello, hello, and welcome to episode 61 of All Booked Up, the Buffalo and Erie County Public Library's podcast about books, movies, and all things pop culture. I am your host, Michelle Snyder. And I am Jacob Miracle. We are happy to be with you here today, even though um, we have to start on sort of a, a sad note. Do we? I do feel. we have to start that way? We do. I mean, granted, these things have happened over a week ago at this point. Um, by the time this airs, but they're fresh. Are we talking about Green Book winning Best Picture? Because no, let me tell you, it's, it's still not. hurting me in deep parts of my soul. No, we're not doing that. First, we have to mention that Catherine Hellman died. Sweet Mona from Who's the Boss. Oh, Mona. Oh. <laughs> that That's my Tony Was Danza. that it? That's wow, my Tony Danza. Succinct and beautiful. Yeah. I really liked that. Thank you. Um, but yeah, she was always a super rad lady. She's one of those ladies that... Because I saw her old when I was young, she's just been, like, old forever. Yeah. I can't imagine her as a young woman. Um, it's like when you see old pictures of Betty White, you're like, ooh, what the heck's going on there? Oh, I know. She's like a young babe. I mean, they all were. Yeah, that's true. Everybody was young at one point. <laughs> Who knew? Yeah. For, for discovering a, so many things. It's a weird fact of life. I think about that sometimes with myself. Like, if I'm out and I see a really old person, and then I'm like, that's going to be me one day, and people are going to look at me and think, I was always old. Like, I think this person was always old. It that, makes me sad. That does. That sh- I know. look at people now, and I try to think of them doing, like, really rad stuff when they were young. I was like, I see you just jumping off a bridge and swinging on some vines and doing all this cool stuff. Do you still have them in their old people body, but, like, much more <laughs> <laughs> like just like a Johnny Knoxville. Yeah, like, that's, just, that's it. That's it. That's unnatural it exactly. agility. Uh, yeah, I like that. Um, but and then another super sad one is Luke Perry. Oh yeah, Luke Perry. Just the other day, yesterday, wasn't it? Two days ago. To us, yes. Yeah. Oh boy. I yeah, know that, that is terrible. It is terrible. He was a. I mean, it's terrible when anyone dies, but when you're like, oh, but you were still young and successful and had children, and you were engaged to be married again. And it seems extra ouch. Those those strokes are nasty. Yeah, Luke Perry's actually got a lot of uh, cool points from like Simpsons fans because he was one of the oh, first celebrities. Sideshow Luke Perry. Yeah, Sideshow <laughs> Luke Perry that just showed up on there and just totally like roasted himself, and it was fabulous. I respected him so much for that. I mean, honestly, nine hundred two and O style. I'm a Brandon Walsh girl. Um, I liked the clean cut boy a little more. Dylan McKay was he was a little past my speed for where I was at at that age. Um, but yeah, really liked him, loved him in Oz. Do you remember when he was on Oz? Oh, I do remember him on and Oz. And I remember being like, Luke Perry? Spoiler alert for a 15-year-old show, the guy dies twice somehow. Go, fi- <laughs> go figure on that one. And then I haven't seen um, the new show he was doing that. Riverdale? Riverdale, yeah. You know what? Riverdale's all right. It's kind of like um, the new Chilling Adventures of Sabrina because they're the same producers. So it's pretty good, pretty good show. Those shows like Sabrina are good. But they feel very young to me. They just do. Like, I watched the first season of Sabrina, but I will not be returning for the second season. Like, I was like, you were fine, but there's so many shows out there. Like, I'd rather be watching Vikings and be like, oh, God. I have, I have never watched Vikings. You don't watch Vikings? No. Everybody tells me I need to watch it, but I think it's good. Isn't it a 24-episode show? Oh, I don't even know. We, we watched the first season. The lead dude is so hot. Ste- I can't. His- Stellan Skarsgård. It's not Stellan Skarsgård. Isn't he? He was one of them in the first season. Mm-hmm. And we're getting off base here. Sorry, but anyway, his eyeballs are the most beautiful eyeballs I've ever seen in my whole life. I And you have what seen some pretty I've eyeballs seen, in your day. I mean, look at me. Look at me gazing into yours right now. Hip, you're hypnotizing me with yours. Um, But yeah, so that was, that was definitely a, a sad week for celebrity deaths. But uh. we have to... 
we have to move on. I mean, we have to just find the courage to keep going and do our episode. Do you, can you do it with me? Can you join me? I can I can try. I'm going to do my best. I'm going to be your rock in this journey here. I can be your hero, baby. <laughs> so That's pretty that, good. Your Enrique Iglesias is right up there with my <laughs> Tony Danza. I felt, I felt that too. This is impression week, let me tell you. Okay, so because uh, last week we were entering Women's History Month, so we did the episode on um, black women in the film industry and writing some stellar books out there. And we thought, hey, man. Let's keep that up. Yeah, so this, seems like a thing to do. This week, we wanted to talk about Asian women um, in film and print, and this is this is even a little more fraught than African Americans in film. So, according to a 2010 census, there are over uh, 17 million Asian people living in the United States. So then they that means that they make up 5.6 percent of the overall American population. But when it comes to positive representation in mainstream media is they're not really it's, getting that full representation so it's a little a little lacking a little lacking say. it turns out that only one percent of lead roles in hollywood go to asian actors and that number is even smaller when it comes to women yeah and um chloe bennett from agents of shield actually brought this up recently um after the latest season of the show because she works for disney and she mm-hmm. was complaining about how she has to like change her last name Oh and yeah, because like every, once people see like an Asian last name on you, that was kind of like a death knell in Hollywood. It's like, well, I'm not going to cast you. I don't really need oh, to yeah. deal with all that. Oh definitely. Um, and <laughs> they're like, also, we would like to be cast as something other than kung fu masters, geeks, or foreigners. It'd, it'd be nice. So that has been a really long journey for them. And I mean, Hollywood itself has a super rocky history. When it comes to the portrayal of Asian Americans from, I mean, early yellow face roles to the still present uh, whitewashing, which we can talk about in a minute of like where we've ended up with that. Yeah, it's just it's one of the ones that surprisingly people don't get as mad about as they should. I feel like they are more now within the last couple of years. Now you hear people reacting to that. So I have a little well, yeah, bit. Look, look in the uh, like the Ghost in the Shell controversy when that came out. People ex- were horrified exactly. that Scarlett Johansson started. I mean, there's a there's a couple films like that. But I had like a little bit of history okay. for us to put out there. So we're going to go back to 1935. So Anna Mae Wong um, loses a Chinese-American role to a white woman. But so, so Wong was a, f- a silent film star in the 1920s, and she was a pretty big deal. Um, although she played stereotypical Asian roles. Of course. Um, but so Pearl Buck's novel The Good Earth was released in 31, and she made her public desire to be cast in the film adaptation because it was such a rare opportunity to play a Chinese character in Hollywood. But she later learned she was never considered for the role because the producers wanted a white male actor for the Chinese lead, and laws at the time prevented a non-white woman to be cast opposite a white man. Awesome. Good job, America. So she was offered the role of the concubine instead, which she cool. refused. And then Louise Rayner, who I'm not sure, but she would win an Oscar for her portrayal of a Chinese woman. Yeah, there's a couple instances of that. Everything that about that is so terrible. Sh- I can't. <laughs> Just... Playing different race, different everything, just oh some boy. some Mickey Rooney, Breakfast at Tiffany's. A little bit. That is 
But I'm like thinking about that. Somehow less offensive than the Mickey. Well, <sighs> that one is. That oh boy, we don't I, even, I, it. I can't. I can't even see it. It hurts. Um. So go, now go watch it if you want to just have your jaw hit the floor. That something was able to hit. You're the like film. this happened. Yeah. This is this is real life Pe- here. People enjoyed this. It's rough. Things got a little better, and it took a long time to go from 1935 to 1993. Just a, you know, <laughs> a couple of years. A couple of years. But the Joy Luck Club found huge success as a film based on the book by Amy Tan, who's really great. It's a really great book if yeah. you haven't read it. And then it was directed by uh, Wayne Wang, who is – this was his first mainstream Hollywood film um, – and it became a huge commercial and critical success, which was really huge to have an Asian director. So then we were like, okay, yeah, a little bit. And then in 1998, we got Mulan, which was the first Disney animated film with the leads were almost all predominantly voiced by Asian Americans. Led by uh, my main girl, Ming-Na Wen from Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and uh, a couple other good movies of the time. Are we going to talk about her later, I hope? No, we're not. Oh, that's... Yeah, just bringing her up now. You I like that she's your main girl. Yeah. Um, okay. And then I feel like Disney got on board with that and started doing, like, Lilo and Stitch and Big Hero 6 and, and Moana and more sort of Asian Pacific Islander they're, things. They're uh, remaking um, Mulan as one of their next uh, live-action yeah, live adaptations, action. so that's coming out. I heard that, 2020. Yeah. That should be good. My nephew loves Mulan. When he really? was little, that was like a 300-time watch on I that one. I don't think I ever saw Mulan, to be honest with you. It's pretty good. I saw it one of the 300 times that it was that it was happening. But like you were saying before, um, okay, so things are obviously getting like a little bit better. We're seeing more, you know, Asian faces in a film. But like you said, so yeah, Jacob, what do these people have in common? Scarlett Johansson, yep. Emma Stone, yep. Tilda Swinton, mm-hmm. and Matt Damon. Yep. Oh, Matt Damon. I mean, so, you know, Scarlett Johansson, um, portrayed a very traditionally Japanese character in Ghost in the Shell. Yeah. Like, she's... Like... That's not even up for debate. Um, Emma Stone got backlash for playing a partially Chinese character in Aloha. She had red hair and freckles in it the movie, It was people. just not good. Swinton was cast as a Tibetan monk mm-hmm. um, in Doctor Strange, and then Damon was accused of kind of promoting that white savior narrative in The Great Wall. Which, a movie I actually sort of enjoyed, but he totally... Yeah, he totally leaned into that whole trope, that's for sure, when you're watching that movie. Yeah. So. It's not great. I mean. The question is, are we doing better? I mean, there's James Wan. He's the obvious example, like one of the biggest um, directors in Hollywood. Everything Mm -hmm. the guy touches makes a billion dollars. Yeah. So he's the one, like, big standout, but, you know. It's still, it's terrible. It's a bad situation at the moment, but it's so, getting there. But there are some um, some shining faces in this that we want to talk about, and then in print, too, because I think Asian women are having are doing really well in print right now. Some great stuff out there that people might not know about. So let us begin. Let's get to the whole, let's get to the meat of this thing here. So I would say the first actress that we have to mention is Constance Wu. Ah, yes. Everybody loves Constance Wu. So probably best known for right now, Fresh Off the Boat, that TV show, and then Crazy Rich tig- Asians. She is tiger momming it up. She is super tiger momming it up, but in a in a lovable um, way. So that show is based on Eddie Huang's memoir. It's set in the 1990s and then revolves around a Taiwanese family that moves to suburban Orlando. Um, and yeah, she's killing it on that. And then the... Big movie, the one that is going to come up many times in this conversation. Oh, yeah. 2018's Crazy Rich Asians, where she starred as Rachel Chu, the American college professor who dates a Singapore multi 
millionaire. Um, I am really happy that Crazy Rich Asians exists because it was really important, but yeah. I didn't love it. No, it wasn't. I actually pref- I preferred the book. Um, it's so over the top, but reading it was okay, but kind of seeing it all, I was like, oh, it's a bit too much for me. I could have used a little more Greek wedding, like, wackiness in there, because I feel like it was a lot of, uh, a lot of, like, money porn shots, just, like, showing how rich these guys were, like, you got, I mean, like, I think that was, like, yeah, that was a huge part of it. Cars and houses and yeah. expensive But it clothes. was really great that it was all Asian faces, and they got to just play people. Oh, yeah. Pretty much every Asian actor, which, again, is an indictment on Hollywood a little bit. Pretty yes. much every Asian actor you could think of popped up in this movie at some point. Yeah. It's a fun movie. It's made a lot of money. Sequel's coming out um, in a couple of years. Is that right? Oh, yeah. Mm, Crazy Rich Girlfriend. Because it's a trilogy of books, so. Oh. So they're going to okay. bust them all out. Okay, So we get to cool. look forward to that. And she, yeah. also, she did get a Golden Globe nomination for the... Yeah, she did. I mean, she was uh, merited in Time Magazine's The 100 Most Influential People. Um, Yeah, she was nominated for a Golden Globe for Best Actress in a Motion Picture, but she lost to um, Olivia Colman. Which, you know, in hindsight makes sense now. Yeah, definitely, but still, big honor. So we're going to see a lot of her. She's super lovely looking, too. Oh, absolutely. Just got to add. Okay. I am with you there. (laughs) Who else should we be talking about? Uh, You know what? Let's go with another one of your favorites and an old school favorite of mine, uh, Sandra Oh. Oh, Sandra Oh, for sure. So in case you guys don't know who she is, uh, you should. You should pay more attention to (laughs) popular culture. Why are you scolding people? I'm just just saying. You know, she's been around for a while. So the first place I noticed her uh, was back in the early days of, like, HBO, uh, like, pay TV. She used to star on the show Arliss, which I don't expect you to remember. Oh no, at I all. remember that show, but I did not watch it. Yeah, she was uh, like the agent's uh, secretary in okay. that show, and she was excellent. She got nominated for a couple of Emmys uh, for supporting actress around that time, like '96. Mm-hmm. She was on that show for like six years. Uh, most people, I guess, would know her for her time on Grey's Anatomy because she was one of the. She leads. was on that show for 100 years. Yeah, she was on the show for nine years as Dr. Christina Yang. Uh, I think she won a couple Emmys on that one as well. Let's so, just let's just talk about the important one. Yeah. So then we get to the one that Michelle cares about with his <sighs> killing Eve, correct? Oh my god. I cannot say enough things about that show. That show is amazing. Sandra O oh is amazing. She won the Emmy for it, but should literally win a second one for best hair. Oh, she's got some good hairstyles. Her going hair on. is just gorgeous in general. She has stunning hair. It is curly. It this thick and full and shiny that show is amazing anyone who's not watching it it's worth just getting a hulu subscription just to watch it because i mean we don't have it yet they won't release it they hold on to these shows now yeah they do have a problem with that i don't know what understand what hulu's deal is on that let us buy it so i can watch it 100 times disney owns them now so i'm sure they'll start busting stuff out more but yeah, Sandra Oh, I mean, she's great. It takes place in London, so she's like in a, an American transplant working for, oh, what's I w- their thing? MI5? Yeah. MI6? MI6. That's it. Oh, wait, MI6? Isn't that the Mission Impossible people? MI5? MI5. That's it. MI5. That's what I knew it was like, <laughs> it's one of those numbers. <laughs> well, oh, oh, man, she's not doing the Gillian Anderson and doing a British accent? No, no, oh. she's just doing it straightforward. But yes, good choice, Sandra Oh. I love Sandra Oh. So disappointing. All right, what else you got? I mean, I have a couple. I guess I'm going to stick with right now um, some more crazy rich Asians people. All right. How about that? So we haven't seen her in as much lately, but Michelle Yeoh. Yeah, from she was 
big back in the day. She's well, like, she was huge. I mean, she was huge in Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, um, which I would just like to add. She does almost all of her own stunts. Um, then she was in Tomorrow Never Dies. She's a Bond girl. So yeah, that's something. she definitely is. And then she was the mom in Crazy Rich Asians. So her real name, she was born Yang Zi Guang. Okay. Um, now her last name is Yo. Well, <laughs> so it's a much again, better. It's just a good stage name. It, definitely. Um, her first camera work, I thought this was funny, was in 1984 where she did a commercial with Jackie Chan. That is pretty funny. And Jackie Chan really loved her and helped her in films. And when she does things with him, she's the only woman, it's a little sexist, but that he allows to do their own stunts. It's very sexist, but it's, you know, makes sense. He, it's like her He's protege, like, basically. Yeah. Um, she is one of the highest paid Chinese language actresses in the world, but she cannot read Chinese. Really? She can only speak it, so the scripts have to be read to her. How did... Hmm. I'm going to have to look into that one. That's weird. That's like, crazy, right? I, I mean, but if you grew up with Chinese parents who are speaking Chinese, like, the, you're going to pick it up that way. But if you went to school where you're just reading English and studying that, like, so you can understand it and speak it, but you don't know what it looks like. Mm, I guess. I mean, when I lived it in... Does, it does seem complicated. Oh, I mean, it's super complicated. But, like, when I lived in Japan, I definitely took classes to where I could talk with people and understand. But, like, reading stuff, I was like... N- Nah, I, I don't know what that shape means. Like, that's a little too deep. So, I, yeah, some of those characters, you're like, no. I'm I mean, sorry. they have three alphabets and then they combine them all. It's just mean, truly. It's just mean. But, yeah, so. And we think we're going to catch up with them. They got, they're got busting <laughs> out three alphabets and merging them. We can barely figure out one. Oh, it's funny. Okay, yeah, so um, Michelle Yo. Super Michelle pumped about Yo-Yo. her. That's it. That's how we're going to start talking about it. Who else we got? Uh, I guess the next one is another Crazy Rich Asians. Uh, Actress Aquafina or Nora Lum, if you want to use her real name, rapper, actress, big old deal for some reason. Nowadays. She's just awesome. Yeah. <laughs> She's hilarious, though. So, okay, so Aquafina. She's been busting out in more movies and TV shows lately. Uh, she's on the show Future Man, another Hulu exclusive that if you haven't seen it, you should mm-hmm. check out. I have not. Uh, she was just recently in Ocean's 8 as well as Crazy Rich Asian. So, you know, pretty big. Uh, she's cute in Ocean's 8. She didn't have a big enough role, but. No, she didn't. She was. I good. don't think she it, didn't have a big enough role in Crazy Rich Asians, but she had a way bigger role in it than that character did in the book. Oh, really? So I, I think that's attributed to like how funny and charismatic she is. Yeah, they got her on set, and they're like, well, "Now nah, we need to put her a little bit more in this movie." Yeah, definitely. And she is upcoming in Jumanji Three with The Rock, so that's always a big deal. Anytime you get into one of his movies, she also has a new movie coming out, um, which was written by also an Asian woman called The Farewell. Oh. Which looks really sad. The trailer is not out, but I was uh, watching interviews with them. and So I think it's going to be a very serious role. So that will be really interesting yeah, to see her play it straight. See if she can do it. Because yeah. it's been all comedy up to this point. So see if she can take a little more serious bent on the whole thing. So. Yeah, Aquafina, you, yeah. you cool. Keep an eye on her. Um. Okay, so we have to mention Lucy Liu. Who doesn't love Lucy Liu? Well, if you ask Drew Barrymore and Cameron Diaz, apparently are not fans. Oh, that's right. Their whole Charlie's Angels thing, they yeah. had issues. There was all there was all sorts of businesses going on mm, there. Don't care. Kill Bill, too. She's awesome. <laughs> um, and then she plays, I mean, borderline sociopathic um, Joan Watson to Sherlock Holmes on CBS's Elementary. Do you watch that show? Have no. you ever seen it? No, I've never seen it. I, I hear people either. enjoy it. But she kind of balances a bunch of other like film and television projects I her, throughout the year. I liked her back in the day. She was in Payback with Mel Gibson. I thought she was real good in that movie. That's a good movie. Yeah. I mean, she's been in tons of stuff, but she still is. So um, she's starring in upcoming films. There's uh, 
or maybe I think this one came out. It was a Netflix rom-com called Set It Up. And then she was in a James Franco movie that recently came out called Future World. Oh, God. Stay away from that one. Is people. that a bad one? It's a James Franco movie that didn't go to theater, so you can imagine what maybe that's Maybe he wanted be. it that way. Yeah, okay. I think that was more <laughs> of they watched the movie and they're like, mm, straight to video. And then she directed the season two premiere of Marvel's Luke Cage. Did you know that? I did know that. And you it, know everything. I can never surprise you. That's not true. You surprise me all the time. No. I, I was just surprised this morning and I was like, look how fast you poured that tea. See, I have skill. It's like as soon as there was a slightest bit of steam, <laughs> right in the cup. I was like, that is some impressive. Not spilled a drop. Either. I'm glad we shared that moment. But yeah, so Lucy Lou is wonderful. We are running out of time, as always. Do you want to mention someone else? Should we group some together? Yeah, we can bust out a bunch of um, authors. You know, I, let's say I've just well, been watching. I'm going to throw a couple more actors. So have you seen Ali Wong? Do you know about her? The new, she's a comedian. I know the name, but I haven't seen it. You've probably seen the trailer on Netflix, but she had a new special called Baby Cobra where she did stand up that she performed while pregnant. I that's yeah, that's the one exactly, that I you know exactly what it is because that trailer popped up and I was like, Who is this? Um, she has a role on the T V show American Housewife and then I guess she is gonna be starring in another rom com for Netflix that I don't think has a a name yet but it's she is joining someone from fresh off the boat so again oh, we're gonna have yeah. another uh, like asian starring show thank you um there is gemma chan she's a british film television and theater actress and a former fashion model who was in you won't believe this crazy rich asians you don't say <laughs> um yeah and then she was also in that movie mary queen of scots that came out last year okay and she is currently starring in Captain Marvel, not as Captain Marvel, well, but yeah. as like you know, second Which place there. We will all see this weekend, as everybody is going to the theaters to see that movie, except for Michelle, I'm sure. Well, you know, it, it is Women's History Month. I might, I might think about it. I didn't even realize. Oh, the, man, that's probably why they released that movie this month. It well, did, sure, totally it makes, didn't even realize. It makes it. perfect sense. Um, and then Michelle Celine Ang. She was just that one of those young people on 13 Reasons Why, but it was nice to see an Asian that's face a, there. It's a popular show. She's also very outspoken about um, endemic whitewashing of Asian roles, so it's nice to have a voice for that. And um, then someone that I'm just missing that I had to mention because I haven't seen her in anything lately, but Zhang Zi. Yeah, Zhang Zhi. Zhang Zhi. What, what happened to her? She kind of fell off the map a little bit. She really did. She was huge. Um, I mean, she's still among the four most popular Chinese actresses in the world, but I'm hoping that we see her yeah, well, in more stuff. Um, if you don't know who she is, she was from um, the Geisha Diaries, The House of the Flying Daggers. She was in Crouching Tiger? Uh, I think she was, yeah. I think she was a young girl. I mean, she's in, she's in a lot of that well, stuff. Well, China's looking for a new actress considering Fan Bingbing owes $125 million in back taxes to the Chinese government. So Is that right? Yep, that's why she disappeared for six months and then reappeared because she owes a ton of money oh, in back taxes. Oh, they're find you. Oh, they found her. <laughs> it wasn't a question of whether to find her. It's just when they were going to let her out again. Um, and I guess also Lana Condor, I'll throw her in. She was in uh, the new X-Men movies, uh, X-Men Apocalypse as Jubilee. But she's also on this Netflix movie that was based on a book, uh, All the Boys I Ever Loved. Which Oh, I've been meaning to watch that. That looks cute. It is. It's adorable. I actually quite enjoyed that She looks that movie. really cute. So I highly recommend checking that out. And I'm sure it's Netflix. They put their stuff out on a DVD. It'll, we'll have it soon enough. But you can come, check out, you yeah. can come check out the book now, folks. 
Woohoo. Okay, we made it. Let's talk about some awesome um, Asian American female authors. You ready? I am. Let's do it. You look pumped. I like when you look Let's pumped. Let's do it. Um, so the first person I want to talk about is Min Jing Lee, who wrote the New York Times Top 10 Book of the Year and National Book Award finalist, Pachinko. Oh, I know. I recognize that title. It's a good book. It's a story of love, sacrifice, ambition, and one loyalty. Heck of a random game that I don't understand the rules for. Yeah, no, Pachenko is is a is a totally crazy game. But that book was huge. We're actually doing a book talk on it in the library this month. So oh, check our check website. Out, Come everyone. chat about it. Um, and then she had a novel. Her first novel came out ten years previously, which mm-hmm. was called Free Food for Millionaires which features um, the character as a young Princeton grad and daughter of Korean immigrants kind of navigating life in New York City. So you're getting um, that story. So she's hot. She's not going to stop. She's going to definitely have more big sellers coming. Nice rhyme. I like that. Oh, she's She's hot. hot. She's not going to stop. stop. (laughs) (laughs) That's all I have. I was like, it's too early for me to come up with more. Um, My current one of my favorite authors right now is Celeste Ng. She wrote the book Everything I Never Told You, which uh, kind of recounts the reactions of like a seemingly happy, well-adjusted, mixed Chinese-American family and then the death of their middle daughter after her body was found in a lake and kind of everything that kind of comes to the surface after that. And then the book Little Fires Everywhere, um, which was named the best book of the year in 2017 by Everyone, like I was like gonna write them as an NPR Washington Post. No, all of them. Um, is that your NPR voice? Did you like it? Their voices, their voices are way too smooth. But that is becoming a Hulu limited series starring Reese Witherspoon and Kerry Washington. Oh, that's gonna be good. And that's like, um, this woman Mia. And who's an artist and a single mother, and she moves to one of those idyllic bubble areas with her teenage daughter, um, and then you know. Things happen. <laughs> Things get weird. Yes. You know, it. her mysterious past on. starts to come out um, and it starts to threaten and upend this, you know, this carefully ordered community. Um, so I read both of those books. They're both really, really good. So, again, no stopping her. No. Look can't at me. Stop, also, you know stop. who else you can't stop? Me right now. Here I go. How about T. Bui? I'm sorry. I don't know how to pronounce it. I should have looked it up. T H I T I. Ty Bui, B-U-I. Well, it sounds Bui. good to me. Okay. So and we apologize for our lack of knowledge of pronunciations. I do. Long. I have this book at home, too, to read. But it's it's a graphic novel that she wrote. It's called The Best We Could Do. And it's about how her family escaped from Vietnam in the 1970s and emigrated to the United States as refugees. And I've heard that it's like it's really heartbreaking but hopeful as she kind of pieces together her family history and illustrates how difficult their journey was from like a home that was stolen from them to a new one that they had to go to. Um, that is also going to be a literally speaking book talk book at the library. We are we have our finger on the pulse, everybody. I mean, just come down to the library. Ops. We got everything you need down here. It's really true. Then I want to talk about a book by Ruth Ozeki. It's called A Tale for the Time Being. It was shortlisted for the Booker Prize and the National Book Critics Circle Award. And it takes place in Tokyo. And there's a 16-year-old girl now, and she decided that there's only one escape from her aching loneliness and her classmates' bullying. Um, So she's going to end it all. But before she does, she wants to document the life of her great-grandmother, who's a Buddhist nun who's lived for more than a century. Mm. Um, And then it's kind of about that journey and that conversation. And it's extremely touching. 
that is a beautiful book. All of these books are like really highly recommended. It's not like, oh, maybe I can guarantee. Yeah, these are, these are your top of the good reads, everybody. These aren't just little. 100%. Um, and then there's just two more because there's so many good ones. I don't want to leave people out, but there's a book by Jenny Zhang called Sour Heart. It was the winner of the LA Times Book Prize in the... Um, the Penn Award for Debut Fiction, and that's a collection of short stories from uh, Jenny Zhang, who's a Shanghai-born poet, and it focuses on um, kind of stories of young Chinese immigrants and daughters of immigrants um, in 1990s New York City. Um, it's really unexpected and good. And then last one, Rachel Kong, who wrote a book I feel like I hadn't heard about and I have not read, and then it was on, again, every best book list, um, NPR, O, Oprah Magazine, San Francisco Chronicle, Huffington Post, etc. It's called Goodbye Vitamin. Goodbye Vitamin. All right. Yeah. And it's about um, this woman who's freshly uh, disengaged from her fiance and feeling like her life hasn't turned out the way she wanted. So she quits her job and leaves town and arrives at her parents' home just to find things way more complicated than she expected. As it um, usually is the case. Yeah. Her father starts showing signs of dementia and... So I, I've heard as she's writing about this that it's a heavy subject matter, but the book is really funny and clever. And the way that she wrote it is that it's almost like a diary and that it's supposed to be a super quick read and totally worth it. Nice. Yes, like, look at just, all this good stuff. You knocked all that out. Let me no, Asian women knocked it out. You bet that they did. That's right. So let's keep let's keep that happening. Like, please, loving not-so-white Hollywood and bookstores. So, Okay. All Are we right. ready? Plug us up. You got it. So every everything that you hear on All Booked Up, you can pick up at your local library. We have 37 branches all over Erie County. Although not everything. We have to well, reword that because some of the things, guess, they're yeah. just not here yet. Which we can talk about that again if we but want. But they will be soon. Oh, well, yeah. They, they're having a problem getting the stuff out in distribution, I suppose. But. but we will have it all eventually. So come on down, request it. Let us know if there's something else that you like that we haven't talked about or we didn't bring up because then we'll order it for you and get it in because yeah. it's all about you people. Talk to us on Twitter. Yeah. Talk to me more. I'm lonely. We, we will get back to you 100%. All booked up pod. We're posting some interesting stuff. It's all good. In all on the opinion. Twitters. Gotten some famous celebs backing us up, everybody. So get on the bandwagon. Uh, Jacob, are you ready for some facts? Wait, I what do you got there? I actually have a fact. You of my own. have a fact? Yes, I do. Please lead the way, sir. So, apparently, in Japan, the phrase, the moon is beautiful, isn't it, is actually what most people would use instead of saying, I love you. It was decided by the author Natsumi Suzeki uh, from the Ma- uh, Meiji time period, also friend of the show, Real. that he believed that when two people look at a thing and feel the same way about it, that they can connect to each other. So he thought that r- exactly translating I love you from like Japanese to English didn't really get the way that Japan didn't isn't like, it. didn't capture like the spirit of the Japanese wow. language. So he decided that the moon is beautiful, isn't it, is a more appropriate way to put it. And it is such a widely known reference in Japan that you can, that people use it. You can go up to somebody and if you say that, they'll know exactly what you're talking they'll about. They'll be like, hey, creep, stop loving on me. Yeah, okay, get out of here with your love there, guy. But, <laughs> I love that. Yeah, it is something to think about. Um, I've been watching a lot of Korean dramas lately, uh, especially Romance is a Bonus Book on Netflix. That's so an I unexplored have, conversation right there. There's, there's a whole thing to mine there. But okay. Hey, I yeah, love I'm, that. I'm, I got all sorts of stuff for you. How uh, see 
It's a mark this episode, everybody. I have a fact for you. Jacob brought it. Um, did you know, how many countries do you think Asia is subdivided into? Seven. There are 48 countries, um, which is insane. The population is more than 4 billion. Other things super interesting about Asia, it has both the highest, which is Mount Everest, and the lowest, which is the Dead Sea, points on the Earth. Wow. So that's a super varied landscape. Wow. Um, the Raflesia arnoldi. Nailed it. Thank you. Is the largest single flower in the world that grows in the rainforests of Southeast Asia. This flower can grow to almost 3.5 feet in diameter. Whoa. And weighs up to 24 pounds. Wow. That's a man. It's amazing. I it's what really it's, it's cool. It's going to smell awesome. It's going to smell super fun. awesome. And I really liked all these different size things that I was reading about Asia. The smallest mammal in the world, which is now posted on our um, Twitter page because you need to see it, is the bumblebee bat. The bum. Oh my God. It can be found in Thailand. It is adorable. It's the smallest mammal in the world. If you don't want to look that up, I don't know what's wrong with you. We don't relate. Bumblebee bat. That just sounds great. Bumblebee bat, little buddy. Um, Okay, so that is our show for today. Thank you so much for listening, and we will catch you next time. Bye.